Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, we are two days away from pitches and catches, which sounds good, especially when there's snow, although it's really just something that you just conjure up and can have a nice warm thought about unless you're going down there. Otherwise, you know, you're still going to be here shoveling snow. Uh, But good time to talk uh, to the guys running the teams, and uh, now we will chat with the Mets' new general manager, Brody Van Wagenen, who joins us now. Brody, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? All right. uh, thanks for coming on. Number one, is uh, is it fair to say as you get ready for pitches and catches that your work as far as pre-spring training or preseason is done? This is your team. Well, I don't think we're ever going to be done. Right. And I think uh, it's a little cliche to say it, but I think we're always going to be keeping our right. eyes Right, but open. I mean as far as any – We're having communication with lots of different folks on lots right. of different things. But uh, but right now we feel really good about who we are right but now. But nothing – I mean, there's not anything major in the works. There's not any major piece that you might be bringing in. You're not looking to do anything extreme. I mean, eye of the beholder is, is major, but I uh, I think that there you may follow up more specifically with a couple of sexy names, but I don't anticipate uh, – you know, capturing uh, capturing huge headlines at this point. Okay. What would you say about your team as you get ready to open camp? How would you classify it? Well, I think it's a whole lot different than when you and I spoke the first time and then when uh, when we came in studio. We I think we at that point in time we'd had, had one deal or one transaction. We've been busy and I think we really have tried to address all of our major major areas of weakness or, or the areas we felt like we could improve. Bullpen's a lot stronger with Diaz and Familia and Wilson. We've got depth around the diamond, got some right-left balance with, uh, with some of the trades we've made and the signings with, with Wilson and Ramos. And, you know, overall, we, we like what we've, uh, what we've created, and I think, uh, I think we're, we're ready to go have a, a roster full of 40 guys that all feel like can contrib- contribute in a meaningful way. Do you think this is a contending team? 100%. Do you think have have you been quoted as accurate? Do you think this is the team to beat in the in the division? I, I think I've been I've been pretty consistent that I believe we can contend. I believe that we can win. I think our players believe that we can win, and we have every intention to do so. Do you think that uh, the number that is put forth that every year, you know, the guys put numbers on teams? Your numbers actually is the same as a lot of the division. Uh, Eighty-four and a half is the number. You think that's a fairly uh, accurate assessment? I think that I would agree that there's a lot of good teams in our division. I think it'll be competitive baseball from start to finish, but I think the 84 wins is light. You think it's light? 
I think it's light. So you think you will win more than 84 games this year? I do. Okay. Do you think you'll win 90 games? Well, we'll have to see. I mean, I think that, you know, our, like, like I've said pretty consistently this offseason, we think we can contend. We think that we can be a playoff team. How many games it takes to, to make the playoffs, time will tell, but, but our intention is to, uh, to win enough. Is there anything that you would have liked to fix that you didn't? Oh, I don't know. I, mean, I think you always want to try to get better. We, we were aggressive early in the offseason. We stayed that way, and, uh, and we're pretty pleased with who we are sitting here right now. Brody, can you project for me right now? Do you, is it, do you think you have a lot of positions that are up for grabs, or do you think you have what will be a fairly set lineup? When you envision your team that's going to be on the field in April, do you think you can tell me now what it is, or you think it's pretty open? No, I think there's a lot of openings, and I think that you know we're not really viewing our team simply as 25 guys. The difference between what we had last year and the, uh, and the start of the offseason to where we are today is you know, there's, there's so many good players and so many good options that we're probably going to be using multiple variations of it. But, you know, we've got, we've got real competition at first base. We've got, uh, you know, a variety of different outfield questions to answer in terms of how people are going to make adjustments like a Jeff McNeil to an outfield transition, how guys are going to be able to play around the center of the diamond and then on the corners, you know, where does Conforto play, where does Nimmo play, how does Broxton, Ligaris fit into to all of it. But I think we've got lots of depth and, you know, I think health and performance at spring training are going to you know, carry the load as we, uh, as we head into to the final roster. You know, when I look at it, uh, and we're talking with Brody Van Wagen and the Mets uh, general manager, you look at everyday guys. Uh, we know Cano's going to be playing second base. He's a fixture. He likes to play every day. Um, Conforto, we figure, is going to be somewhere every day in the outfield. You got Ramos as catcher. You got Rosario at short. Uh, those positions look pretty, uh, I, I think, pretty sound. When you look at the other – when you got Lowry, you said, I think he'll play every day. Where do you envision him playing most of the time? Yeah, so I think that you mentioned a couple of those guys. We'll start first with Cano. You know, he's going to be a primary second baseman. He's also 36 years old. Lowry's 35. Frazier's 33. We want to manage the workload of those guys and not have any of the three have to play 150 games. In fact, we think we'll get more performance out of them if they're not in the lineup that often. Uh, we've got Rosario, who's still a 23-year-old shortstop. Right. We want to put him in situations that are best for him to succeed from a matchup standpoint. And then we got first base over there, where we've got a young player or potentially young players that are going to be competing for time, and we want to make sure they're not overwhelmed with with exposure early on in their career. So I, I think that we've got it bats for everybody. We're going to use our information. We're going to use the investments we've made in our, in our analytics and R&D department to make sure we're putting the right guys in the lineup against the right pitchers and have them be playing you know, a variety of positions. But, you know, Cano is playing the National League for the first time. He showed last year he can play first base. So it won't be a total shock if, if late in games we're, we're pinch hitting and he slides over to first base. There may oh, be scenarios okay. So you're going to ask Cano to play some first base. So, so you're going to so ask Cano to play some first base this year. Oh, I, I think that uh, you know, the way we've set it up now is, you know, I don't know if he'll start any games at first base, but he certainly could find himself there as we're double switching in games later on and using all of, uh, all of our pieces uh, accordingly. Who is the uh, – when you, when you look at this, uh, is there a primary first baseman? If it is, what's his name? Yeah, we don't know yet. You know, I think in Peter Alonso, a lot has been talked about him this offseason. He led the minor leagues in homers, led the minor leagues in RBIs. 
did the same thing in the Arizona Fall League. He's earned himself a shot. Uh, J.D. Davis has dominated minor league pitching. He's earned himself a shot. Davis has some versatility to play other positions. And then obviously with Lowry and Frazier on the roster, if both are healthy, you know, both guys have been all-star, all-star players in their careers. And so they're going to be, you know, they're going to be playing a lot of, a lot of over there, you know, Frazier at first base and, and then the combination of the two at third base. So I think the first base position, you're going to see a number of different names penciled in there as time goes on, but these young kids are going to have to earn their way. And at third base, Frazier, you're going to, is he the primary third baseman or is he's going to also, as you just mentioned, be asked to play first base? He's going to be asked to play first base for sure. And the beauty of these guys is that, you know, Lowry can be a primary second baseman. He's, you know, he's played five years in the big leagues as a primary shortstop. You know, Frazier's been a, an above average defender at third, but he's also played first in his career. So we're going to move the guys around so that we can put the best offensive lineup in the, in the game at the right time, knowing that we won't have to sacrifice defense to do so. And where does Lowry get the bulk of his performance from? Where, where, I mean, you said he's going to play almost every day. What's going to be his primary position? So his primary position is going to be batting second in the lineup. But where's he going to play? I, I think that, uh, you know, when, when Cano is facing a tough lefty, Lowry will play second against You're going to uh, take Cano. So you're, you're going to take Cano out of the lineup a lot? When you say a lot, like, again. Well, Cano's used to playing 150 games every year. Yeah, we, we don't want to do that to him. You know, Cano has, has uh, you know, he's an all-star player that we, we want to have him be at his best in 2019, and we also want to be his best going forward. But, you know, this is a guy that, as you're finding with a lot of good teams out there, if you ask players to play 150 or 160, you're not getting as, as much out of them as you so can play. So what, what, what would you like him to play? Well, I think 140 is probably a pretty a pretty good number, and and of course situations dictate uh, different amounts of playing time. Whether you know that's injuries. Okay, but if he plays 140 whether, games, less time for the same same token. So uh, we're talking with Brody Van Wagen and the general manager. But if he plays 140 games, that doesn't leave a lot of games for Lowry. Where does Lowry get the bulk of his work from? So again, let, let's just take do a math math equation here. You got four four positions. Right. First, second, third, short, right. 162 starts at each. Divide that amongst five players, you're at about 130 starts each each guy. Okay. So there's a lot there, and obviously different uh, different variables will come into play come into play there. So you said five guys for the four spots. That's that's Cano, Rosario, uh, McNeil, Lowry. No, you, you missed one there. So that, that's that's Cano, Rosario, Lowry, Frazier, and then whichever theoretically young first baseman makes the club, whether it's Davis, Dom Smith, or or Alonzo. McNeil, we see being a, so you a don't count McNeil as a, you don't see and, McNeil as an uh, infielder anymore. I mean, look, his focus in spring training is going to be a transition to the outfield because we think we can be a lethal lineup with a McNeil, Conforto, Nimmo outfield against right-handed pitching. Okay, so all right, so you could actually you think McNeil's bulk of his work, and he's a good bat. You think his bulk of his work is going to come in the outfield? We think so. If, if everybody's healthy in the infield, we think uh, think that's a, a very possible scenario and something that we're going to be exploring significantly in spring training. Okay, and you're going to play Lowry, Rosario, Frazier, Cano, and a young first baseman, and shuffle them through the infield. That's that's the design at this point in time. And how many healthy. guys are in the outfield mix? Say again. How many guys are in the outfield mix? So we, we've got Nimmo Conforto, Ligaris, Broxton, okay. McNeil. And McNeil, okay. And then J.D. Davis has the ability to play out there, too, depending on how, how everybody works out. 
Okay. And would you look to play a guy like Conforto every day, or you want to give him a lot of rest too? Well, look, I mean, I think he's a he's an all-star caliber player that, that's going to be a middle-of-the-order bat for us. So he and Nemo both should be in the lineup a lot. But, you know, both guys – you know, against tough lefties, we got to be be making sure that they're playing against the the right matchups. And if they need days, or if they if they're struggling against lefties at certain periods of time, we can go right-handed and go insert Lagaris and Broxton, uh, you know, on a regular basis as well. So we can sort of go with the hot hand as needed, and then we can also flip the lineup and go defense when we want to as well um, with the two uh, two speedsters out in the outfield. Do you think? Considering how, and you know this team had enormous bouts of being extremely anemic last year, which you know was very clear. Do you think that's enough punch in your outfield with the guys you mentioned? I mean, you're putting a lot on Nimmo. You're putting a lot on Broxton, a lot on Lagaris in that outfield. I mean, if they're going to be guys, you're asking them to really up their game a lot. Yeah, so, so I think that from a, we're not viewing our lineup anymore as punch or swing for home runs and right. if you if you don't then you get zero you know the beauty of, of a, you know, i think our fans like mcneil and our our fans like nimmo because they grind out at bats they put the ball in play they use the whole field they beat the shift you know we've added cano same type of player we've added lowry same type of player now granted both those guys also have 20 home run power right. and you know Cano's had 30 home run power in his career but we've got guys now that can stretch the lineup and create a lot more depth and now you know it gives us the the ability where we don't have long stretches of of droughts that you had to experience last year I give you that okay and you have I like McNeil as an offensive player Cano go, comes without any question as an offensive player on the right hand side it's a little more iffy. What are you counting on to get some pop from the righty side? Yeah. So Frazier is a guy that, that's had, you know, as much power from the right hand right hand side of the plate as anybody in the game over the last several years. Right. Um, last year was a tougher year. Really tough even year. With as much time as he missed, he still was sneaking up on twenty homers. So right. Frazier's gonna hit the ball at the ballpark. Right. Talked about Alonzo. You know, his his gift is hitting the ball out of the ballpark to all fields. You think he's gonna power. you think he's gonna be a player for you this year? I do. I, I think from the, the start of Alonzo and Davis that between those two guys, whether it's one of them securing most of the at-bats or whether it's a combination, I think we're going to see 30-plus home runs from, uh, from that position or from those, uh, the combination of those two players. And, you, and what, about, what about in the outfield with the right-handed outfielders? Yeah, so Broxton is a guy that has speed and power. Last year was a bit of a, an unfair shake or look for him because the Brewers, to their credit, they acquired Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich that, that forced a pinch for him in the outfield. But in 2017, he was a 20-homer guy, a 20-steal guy, and we think that he can bring that element to us, especially if we're putting him in the right, right matchups. Ligaris is a slasher. You know, he was good last year before he got hurt. Hopefully he can pick that up for where he left off. And, you know, I think we got the, uh, got the big boy hopefully coming back at some point later in the summer with, uh, with Cespedes. And then all of a sudden a right-handed power gets, gets pretty scary. So you're expecting – are you telling me you're expecting Cespedes to play this year? I, I certainly hope so. I mean, we're at the stage now where we're going to try to map out his calendar and try to look at what progressions he can make going forward. We won't look at what he's not doing. We'll look at where his strides are going. And hopefully, you know, by, by year's end, we're getting meaningful contributions from him. We're talking with uh, Brody Van Wagenen, the general manager. You have to admit, this is a, your offense is a little rosy when you're looking at it. You're asking for a lot of guys who didn't have big years last year or haven't proven it on a major league level to step up for you. There's only a couple of proven commodities here. 
Yeah, so again, you know, not to be combative, right. but, but Mike, you know, we added Wilson Ramos, really right. good offense. I agree with player, that. I agree right? with Ramos. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not counting about Ramos. So I'm he, talking he about Rob, Braxton. I'm own. talking you, about Lagares. Questions about Robbie? You know, I have no questions about. Hitter. I have no He's questions about Jed Lowry. Career year, right. All Star hitter last year from both sides of the plate. Right. So those are three big names that we've brought into it, mm-hmm. and then we're going to introduce a couple of young players to the fans that hopefully everybody can uh, can get excited about and cheer every time they hit the ball over the fence. Right. But these are not proven commodities, though. Right. I mean, so this so those you know, proven commodities really are are looking at one position on the field. You know, McNeil, three twenty hitter. We all like him. You know, Nimmo showed that he's a 400 on base percentage guy. Conforto's got three seasons of 20 plus homers under his belt. If, I think at this point, uh, so we've got a lot of a I'll lot you, of I'll non-question give you marks. McNeil's had, surrounding... a, McNeil's had a has had a handful of major league games though. Do you like him? I think he can hit. I, I don't disagree with that. Broxton, I'm not so sure about. Lagares, I've never been that sure about. I don't think you have a lot from the right side that scares people. And Frazier had a really rough year last year. Yeah. Well. Look, I think we, we feel good about that mix of guys. I think people are going to enjoy seeing uh, seeing these young players, and I think people are going to really be surprised when they see Frazier bounce back with a, uh, with a big year similar to what he's had previously in his career. What are you expecting from Rosario? I think Rosario showed us in the second half of the year what everybody saw of him as a prospect. I mean, he's athletic, he's got a high energy, and he uh, – he made some adjustments both offensively and defensively in the second half of the year that, that showed all the promise in the world. And he's only 23, and we think he's going to get better you know, in the first half of this year the way he did in the second half last year, and the sky's the limit. What do you expect to get out of out, out of Wheeler this year? What's fair? I mean, the guy went 10-1 in his last 15 starts and was a brilliant pitcher. Uh that's we don't. That's not his history, but he was there last year and we really stepped it up. What's fair to expect this year? You know, he he's a guy that the performance speaks for itself in in terms of how he was in the second half. But put that aside, the the mindset that he's walked into camp so far this year, he's got a different bounce in his step. I mean, from coaches to staff to players, everybody's noticed a, a really significant difference in terms of how he feels about himself, the confidence he projects. And when you ask him about it, he, he's very, very quick to say, oh, well, I'm healthy now. And I think people sometimes forget what an impact that has on a, on a young player when they get over the hump, realize they're healthy, and let their talent shine. What about Matt? Matt's another guy. You know, got over the hump, set career highs and in innings and starts last year, figured out how to succeed over the course of a full season. And, you know, he's a key, key guy to our team this year, and we think – you know, in talking to the pitching coaches, and even Chuck Hernandez, who's our new bullpen coach, was the Braves pitching coach last year, and he says, of all of our pitchers on this team, he says, guys, I think this is the one that, that's not getting enough attention. He thinks he could be the, uh, the real surprise sleeper of our team this year. And where's the, where's the depth in your starting pitching? So we've got, uh, we've, you know, we've got the five guys, Vargas being the fifth. Right. We've got uh, Lugo and Gesellman, who really made transitions to the bullpen effectively last year. In a best-case scenario, they're still in the bullpen, but we could always make, make an adjustment to bring them in. Then we added two key guys this year, in addition to the Drew Gagno and, and Corey Oswaltz that were already here. We brought in Walker Lockett on a trade with the Indians, and we brought in Hector Santiago, who's a veteran big leaguer, uh, to give us depth in the fifth and sixth starting positions in and with, if and when we need them. All right. So, I mean, listen, you're top, you, you're one, two, three, 
uh, and even Matts, I like Matts. Even your one, two, three speaks for itself. And I like Gaselman and Lugo as as stopgap guys. So clearly, you have a, a, a good pitching staff. There's no question. Vargas, you know, we'll leave. We'll give him another chance. Um, uh, but obviously, your top of your rotation is tremendous. How about the Degrom thing? Uh, uh, you gave him the the arbitration settlement, which made plenty of sense. Um, if I'm you. I do the same thing. I want him to do it again before I pay him. I mean, that's what I would do too. I'd be, that'd be the smart thing to do. I mean, why would you want to negotiate off that brilliant year? But considering what was said last year at spring training, you expect him to forget everything? How do you expect him to handle this? So I think the communication has been important with Jacob. It will continue to be important with Jacob. I think his relationship with the ownership group, certainly his relationship with me, is that it's important for him to know that, that he matters to us, that we value him now. We want him to be a part of our future going forward. You know, our goal is definitely to have him be a part of this future beyond the two years that he has remaining under, right. his, under his control. He knows we want him to be a part of it. You know, whether or not we can ultimately agree on, on something or whether the timing is now or whether it's down the road, there will be no mistaking the fact that, uh, that he's a franchise player for us that, that we hope can be that for years and years to come. Is, is, uh, do you feel like you guys have an understanding right now, or are things a little strained right now? Oh, I don't think they're strained. I, I think that Jacob showed up to camp the same Jacob DeGrom he's always been. Smile on his face, loose, happy, right. throwing bullpens that are dazzling everybody. Um, we love him. He knows it, and, and he is, he's going to get all the attention he deserves. You know, not just from fans and the public or the media, but he's going to get the attention he deserves inside these walls, and we're going to continue the discussion that we've had in the past, and we'll see where it leads us, but, but we know he's going to be a part of us. So is, this, is it fair to say this is right now an ongoing discussion? Are there discussions, or is it something that's on the back burner right now? At this point, I don't think there's any drama. I think that we're communicating. I think that we've had, had dialogue with his new agents. We've, uh, we've had internal discussions, and, and again, just reiterate the fact that the player knows how we feel about him, and, and we look forward to him being a part of what we have going forward. Uh, so, I mean, the tricky thing is, though, you want to keep him happy, though, obviously, right? I mean, you know, you want him to, be, to feel like he's wanted, and, and you know, listen, you, if, I'm, if I'm him, you know, as you declared last year, you wanted him to get paid last year at the All-Star break. I mean, so he remembers that. I remember that. We all remember that. So uh, if, he, if he's going to think that he wanted to get paid last year, why do we think he's not going to want to get paid this year? Oh, and I think he – look, he, he's earned the right to get paid, and I think that's where – you know, a $17 million paycheck for him in arbitration goes a long way. Right. And, and I think that, that helps because it's a recognition for what he did. And, and I think the other thing that Jake wants is, it's, you know, as you can imagine, what's going to make Jake happy is having him have the ability to flip the ball in the eighth inning to Familia and Diaz to go get more than 10 wins or to be able to go out there and have, have his offense put up some run support for him so he can, he can win games and go pitch in October like he did in 2015. So a lot of things make Jake happy, and we hope he can continue to give him those things. Well, what's going to make him happy is a long-term contract. That's what's going to make him happy. I mean, I want, if I'm him, I want to negotiate off that year. So do you. It's a smart thing to do. The, the, the thing smart for you is not to want to negotiate off that year. The question is who wins. Well, I, 
I've never, and I, you know, Mike, you may or may not know this about me as an agent, and, and you'll certainly learn this about me now, is I don't view contract discussions about winning and losing. I view contract discussions about trying to have players be paid fairly for their contributions, feel good about it, and make sure they know, a, a, you know, how we value them going forward. And, you know, we did that with, with his arbitration case, and right. hopefully we'll be able to do that going forward. Right. But, I mean, is it fair to say he's willing to put this season behind him, or is he going to look for the deal soon? Well, I hope he's not going to put the season behind him. I hope he's hope he's looking to carry the. No, my point is, I mean, listen. If he, I, he knows what he's getting paid for twenty eighteen right? or twenty nineteen, and he's content. But I think that pressure is off a little bit. But you know, the goal is that we can we can use the the positive discussions that we found in compromising to get his his twenty nineteen contract done. Right. We can build off of that going forward. Right, but you know, listen. If I'm him, I'm knocking on your door now. Having his agent knock on your door now, looking for a long term deal. That's what I would do. Well, fortunately, we, uh, you know, both sides, both doors are open, so we don't even need to be knocking. Yeah. Okay. So, is it so? Some that's fair to say to the so everyone understands there is some discussions going on. Is that fair to say? There will always be dialogue between Jacob, his agents, and and our side and our ownership group. So we will continue those, and and uh, that'll never change. How about the uh, okay? I mean, so we'll have to to be continued as far as that concerned because you know last year's remarks at the All Star break, you know they came back to bite you a little bit. I mean, when you know because they can be used against you right now. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I I've been the type that I've never really regretted anything that I've said because I've been authentic and true at the time. I think that Jacob knows what we want. Uh, what we need from him in 2019, he knows what our desire is long term, and whether or not we can make that become a reality. Like you said, time, time will tell. But uh, but Jacob knows how I feel about him. He knows what this uh, what this organization thinks of him, and and he uh, he's got to be a big part of our success going forward, not just in 19. You know, there's a couple of uh, ironically, there's a couple of uh, talented players that are still on the market right now. You might have noticed. I mean, I think you did. We're talking with Brody Van Wagen, and that are still out there. Uh, any way uh, a team can, such as yourself can be creative and come up with something that might entice them since it's been a very different year for them in negotiations? I'm sure a team, you know, I hope teams are trying to be creative to, to get them. They're good players, and, and that only makes sense. I think as, as this conversation is an indicator, you know, it's not so easy to find spots for all of our good players already. And so you're telling so me you don't have room for them. More, are you telling me you don't have room for them in the uh, I, I, probably not the best fit for us. Bro, are you telling me you don't have room for them in the lineup? You weren't sure we had room for uh for McNeil or you're for, kidding, uh, Brody, or for Lafferty you? and others, but no, <laughs> I, we like our club. Those guys make every team better, but uh but right now I think we're going to focus on the guys we have in camp. You're telling me that you don't have room for Manny Machado on this team? Mike, look, we can go round and round. With I'm, I'm just asking you. But, well, well, but I, I think we well, like wait, our club. You... We built the team obviously in a in a format to where we would have lots of good players right. rather than putting all of our eggs in one basket. And right. That's what, uh, that's what we've tried to do. Listen, every team could use players like that. So I mean, there's no team in the baseball that couldn't use those guys. We all we all would admit that. I mean, no one's going to argue that. The question is, does this? Do you deem this an opportunity, or is it something that you don't deem as an opportunity? I, I don't necessarily see that as being, or those guys being a part of our plan. Uh, we evaluated the market on the front end, had lots of conversations, and we felt like our needs were were more in aggregate than they were in, in individual pieces, and we feel like that's a... Uh, that's the plan we executed, and we'll uh, we'll stick to it. Did you extend the the money as far as you could, or was, is there money still available? Well, I think we extended the the roster additions. Focused less on what the what the 
price point was or what the budget was, and we focused more on how do we fill the needs that we need to fill with the best players that we can in those in each of those spots. So, you know, I think we we have an understanding, Jeff Wilpon, and you know the entire ownership group. You know, we've been very upfront about what the plan is that I wanted to create, and they've been uh, you know been supportive in trying to produce a you know, give me the resources to do it, and we've had an understanding of what our budget would be. And right now, I, I don't think we're, we're ever going to say that we are, you know, without flexibility, but right now we're, we're looking to be more opportunistic than, than thinking about any, uh, any other big extremes. We're talking with Brody Van Wagenen about the Mets, the new general manager. Is it fair to say, Brody, that you built the team that you wanted to win, you got the resources to do that, or is it more that this was what you were able to build under certain constraints. Is this what you wanted? Is this what you were able to do exactly what you wanted to do? Or did you have to work under certain constraints? Well, this is what we wanted to do. And I think maybe even more than want, this is what we needed to do. You know, we mapped out a plan and I was very upfront with, with my public comments about our areas we had to address bullpen right behind the plate, yep. run support, Right. Uh, right-handed balance in the lineup. You know, all of those things were really important. We hung ourselves out there a little bit to to tell everybody what we wanted to do, and we did it. And so I feel really good about it. I know our our coaches do, our players do, and our staff believes that that we built a team that can contend and, and should win. Yeah, the only place I would disagree is on the right-handed pop is whether or not you're there yet. That's the only thing I would wonder about. I think you're still a light on the right-handed pop with what you have here to offer. Yeah, I, I think Ramos addresses that, and Lowry does, even though he doesn't necessarily get the same amount of amount of credit there because he's a switch hitter and, and so many of his bats come left-handed. But Lowry's ability to use the whole field right-handed, Ramos's pop, and then the depth that we added with J.D. Davis and his pop from the right side, I think uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll win you over on those. How do you feel about your bullpen? Love it. You know, the, the, the addition of Diaz, the addition of Familia, those were the ones we came out of the gate with. And then being able to go add the lefty in Justin Wilson in January to complement Lugo and Gesellman. Um, you know, we're really, really excited. We've got Daniel Zamora. We've got Luis Avalon. You know, both other pieces to our left side of the, left side of the bullpen. And then we've got a bunch of good power, power right-handers. That uh, that have all had had a taste of the big league last year. That we're hoping uh, hoping some of those guys can take big steps forward. So well, we feel good about where we can shorten games, but hopefully our starting pitchers still get to go deep in games as well. What are you expecting from your manager? He had a tough first year, no question. He had to learn the league. I think he was put in a couple of tough spots. But what, what are you expecting from him this year? Yeah, I think you you hit the keyword there. He learned a lot last year, and what we set out to do is surround him with guys that that can continue to teach him that can continue to help him support the players but we brought in pros Jim Riggleman Chili Davis Chuck Hernandez you know keeping DeSarcina on to be a key help to Rosario's development defensively he worked with Lowry in Boston in the infield Chili Davis has worked with Cespedes and Lowry in Oakland uh you know, Chuck Hernandez, I think I mentioned, was the pitching coach in Atlanta. And then we promoted from within Luis Rojas, who was the double-A manager and has been one of our best minor league coaches for years. And he's had Alonzo and Nimmo and Conforto and Rosario and all these guys came through his watch. And we think this balance between veterans and, uh, and youth with, with the support that Mickey has around him, I think Mickey's going to shine this year. All right. Uh, the division is interesting. Uh, Braves, Phillies, Mets, 
The projections are exactly the same. Everyone's picking them in exactly the same spot in terms of total wins. And Nats are three ahead of them, surprisingly ahead of the punch. When you look at the four teams, where do you see yourself stacking up with the three teams? Yeah, look, I, I think that uh, we you have You think you're really right in the middle with them? You think, you, you yeah. think you're even with these guys? No, I, I, look, I think we can beat them. I, I think that our, our mindset is that you know, we're going to focus on us. We're going to control the variables that we can. And if we do the things that we're capable of, we can win. And, and we're going to go out there expecting to win every day. And, and uh, we're not afraid of the, the competition outside of the division. We're certainly not afraid of it inside the division because we believe in ourselves. And with that mindset, you know, we, uh, we hope to be the ones left standing when this is all said and done. And what's your, with the team you have right now as you get ready to open camp in two days, what's your expectations for your Mets fans? Tell the Mets fans what your expectations are. I, I think they can count on us to be, to be a team that has talent, drive, conviction, and those three elements will give us, uh, give us the opportunity to be a winning team. You think you have a winning hand this year? I think we have a winning hand. I think we built a winning hand. You think this will be a playoff team? I think this, this will and, and should be a playoff team. Thanks very much, Brody. Appreciate your time. Mike, thanks. Thanks Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Brody Van Wagenen, there you go. Confident. There he goes. Um, You knew they weren't. Listen, you know I held his feet to the fire a little bit on Machado and Harper. You know he wasn't going to the Mets, folks. I mean, come on. You know, I'm just being difficult there. You know that. We all know he's not going to the Mets. They're not going to the Mets. We know that. But, listen, I think, to be fair, they have pitching, especially top-heavy. Wheeler is the key. Matt's a little bit too. You need the lefty, but Wheel is the key. If he pitches like he did last year, I expect big things from DeGrom and, uh, and Syndergaard. They have a chance to have a wicked staff. Uh, I even like the depth. I like Lugo. I think he's a winning pitcher. I think Kesselman can fill a bill. I don't like Vargas, but you know what? The, uh, that's enough pitching. They built a good bullpen. Diaz is the real thing. You got Familia to set up for him. You got other pitchers there. And Wilson, they're okay. The big issue I would have is we don't know what the kids are going to give them. At first base, Lowry's a pro. Cano, I think, will play a lot of games uh, and more as the season goes on. Uh, the question is the right-handed pop. Do they have right-handed pop here? Can Fraser bounce back? Can they get anything out of Lagares? Can they get any right-handed pop on this team? That's really the question. They're light on right-handed pop. That's something they desperately need. I would disagree on that part. Otherwise, I mean, I think they're a team that I, I wouldn't make them the favorite in the division. Uh, I think things will have to fall into place, especially the big three will have to stay healthy. I think the key is they got to get 85, 86 thoughts out of the Grom, Wheeler, and Syndergaard. They have to do that. They have a chance. I think that's the big key. That's their strength. With a good closer, they have that. Uh, I like the versatility. I think Cano will have a big first year. I think they're improved. I'm not as high on them as Brody is, but I think they're improved. I think they're definitely better. I know you want them to go for something big. You knew they weren't doing that. They added some pieces. They definitely have a team that's better than last year's team by far. I don't think there's any question about that. Is it good enough? We'll see. I think it's about on a par. I'd say it's as good as the Phillies, maybe a smidge behind the Braves and the Nets. That's where I'd put it.